The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. Let's pop up that first slide, please. And this is the question that this talks about. Um, are we as human as Jesus? And so to do this, let's uh, going to read out of Luke chapter 2, verses 40, 39 through 40, and then verse four, uh, 52. Here's what it says. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, their town of Nazareth, uh, to their town of Nazareth. So Galilee is the uh, area, Nazareth is the town. And the child grew and became strong. So he went from a, you know, toddler, skinny, 11-year-old, 12-year-old boy, started to fill out, started to get smart. He was filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him, verse 52. And this is after the incident where Mary and Jesus lose God's son. And, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. The story of parents losing their kids, it's not funny in the moment. It's funny afterwards. I recall once Lily and I, we, when we had three kids, and don't judge us unless you have kids, because if you have kids, you go, oh yeah, I totally get that. We, we drove to a restaurant from our house. It wasn't far. It was like only about an hour. But we drove to a restaurant, just a few minutes, and we, we left my two-year-old daughter at home. You know, it was like, oh, okay, forgot one. And, um, and then we, 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 we thought about it. Should we? Nah, let's go get her. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, and we lost her once in Uptown. You were there. Yeah, remember that? We lost her in Uptown. That's why we don't give parenting classes. We just, you know, you know we're not good with kids. Then, um, but I think about this story of Mary and Joseph losing Jesus. And then they waited till, so they were one day out. They realized they didn't have the kid. That's got to, okay, you know, parents, when you lose a kid, you lose your nephew somewhere in a mall or a store, right? There's a panic that sets in. So I do feel for them at that point. Then one day traveling back. That's two days now. Your kid's missing, right? On the third day, where do they go? You know the story. Where do they go? Simple, right? You know what I think why they went there? I really don't think they were looking for Jesus. I just think they said they were just going to tell God, look, we, saw, we lost your kid. We're sorry. <laughs> oh, he's here. Uh, we knew that along. <laughs> but that's me. Uh, what do I know? Okay, I, I don't know if we can do this. Um, if we can't, that's not, it's fine. But I, this is going to be a bit of a dialogue. I'm going to ask you a question, and um, you'll give me the answers, and then we'll consider this, and then we're going to move on to another section regarding our humanity. So if I ask you the question, what is true about human beings? You know, what comes to mind? I'll tell you one of the first things, and Lilia will, will confirm this. Whenever I'm watching a movie, this is stupid. I don't know why I do this. Especially if it's a period piece. What's the first thing I always say, honey? They smell. They must smell. I wonder how they smell. I don't know why. <laughs> you know how some things always stick in your head? Oh, so many thoughts. Important lectures. I've sat under the wisdom of great men. I continue to do so. But you know what sticks in my head? I wonder if they smell. And then I read not, not long ago that toilet paper is, only, is less than 100 years old. How did people get made before then? I mean, that's, you know, at, at, you know wool, not, not lying, right? You've heard the jokes about the leaves and corn cobs. True, apparently. So, you know, I, I, I love being born at this time when there's sufficient paper. And um, 
So, but if I say, so that's true of human beings. We, we stink, right? And I've often thought that when people show up at an event, and you know that that's not really what they look like, because what you look like is when you wake up in the morning, that's you. The you that comes here is generally not you. It's the you that wakes up in the morning, that's you and your glory. This is, this is, wow, this is before the moisturizing, the combs, the chemicals, the, the machines you have to plug in and everything else, right? You know, the, 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 you know, the arc welder, everything that you have to do to get ready to leave the home and not shock and frighten children. <laughs> that's, that's you. And, and, and as it gets older, there's a lot more work to maintain the corpse, as it were, you know? Um, so we smell, we stink, right? We have to be, in fact, I once, Lily and I were, we were, <laughs> you know how sometimes you have one thought leads to another thought leads to another thought, then when you say something out loud, it sounds completely insane? Once my wife, we were just, I don't know, we were looking at a, a mass of humanity, people, I don't know what it was, and she says, we're just animals. And I thought, wow, speak for yourself. But uh, <laughs> she goes, no, I mean, we're, we're, we, we, you have to feed this thing, you have to brush it and, you know, and do stuff to it and rest it and this and that. Like, wow, you know, it's true. That's, so that's true of us, okay? Now, it's your turn. What else is true about human beings? I'm sorry, did someone say something? <laughs> maintenance, right. You know what's funny about the maintenance we require? The one thing that we pay so much attention to and it does nothing for us? What's that thing? Your hair. It does nothing for you. You comb it, cut it, don't wash it, shave it, grow it long. No health benefits whatsoever one way or the other. Some social benefits maybe, but not so much uh, health benefits. Yeah, maintenance. Did you guys eat this morning yet? Some of you are doing that now, yeah. But you plan on doing so you're wondering, yeah, please get to the point so we can go eat. <laughs> so you have to go eat. And if, if, if the thought of eating food doesn't kind of trip you out, watch it backwards in a film. That's just weird. You realize that is weird. Stuff's going in that makes stuff happen in the dark that maintains your body. I remember once asking my mom, are we boiling inside? Yeah, I don't know why I thought that. Because I, I, I was just thinking about what, what goes on in here? There's no light. All the cells seem to know what to do. Organs seem to operate in the dark. Because I couldn't do anything in the dark. I don't do anything when there's daylight, let alone in the dark. So there's, you, you, you eat, <clears throat> at the risk of being a little crass, <laughs> like that could happen here, um, there's also waste elimination, right? Um, what else is true about us? Think of kids. What's true about kids? They need to be entertained. You know, thanks for saying that, dude. That's right. Boogers. That is, uh, that is true about people. You know, what's that... My daughter said this. Someone said to her, why are you snotty? She's talking about being arrogant. She goes, because I have a cold, you know. <laughs> she made a double joke there. Right, children are just disgusting. I mean, like they're getting, I mean you, you love your kids, right? But no, if, if it's not your parent, if you're not your child or physically related, would you wipe any other child's butt and clean their butt? Nor should you. Uh, I'm just <laughs> right? And so there's a lot of stuff that kids produce. It's disgusting. And, but they're your kids. And then I've, as I've often joked with Lilia when they, we were, our kids were little, when they're asleep after you've bathed them, that's when they trick you into thinking you want more. Oh, look at this. So cute. Let's make another baby. <laughs> then they wake up and you remember why you decided to practice, uh, you know, uh, 
birth control. All right, so um, <laughs> uh, how about learning to speak? True? Yeah, right. What's that next slide coming up? There you go. Oh, every woman. Oh. See, this is a nice photo, I think, right? But if you look, newborns, every mom, I don't care how hideous that baby is, how conehead, misshapen, it's the most beautiful baby in the world. And most guys are thinking, mm, is, it, is it human? You know, <laughs> this has got to be a few hours old, right? Isn't that amazing? Their little fingernails and look, he's, looks like he needs a, a mani. He's got cuticles, his baby. He bites his nails inside. He was nervous. Is when, when's it going to happen? When am I leaving? Am I ever going to get out of this? This embryonic, this trap here in this womb. When do I break out? Yeah, the little blemishes, the little sideburns. Um, when my when my first son was born, my wife and I were so surprised because he was a tr- he was good looking. We just I don't know why we expected some awful looking child. You know, it just with Mexican hair. You know, it's always frog hair is always sticking up and. And his hair pattern was perfect. They had a little side part, and I'm not lying. He came out, wow, this is our kid. Maybe they put the wrong band on his arm. Let's not tell anybody. Um, some, some couple from Irvine got this Mexican baby. What the heck is this, Mildred? I don't know, Todd. I mean, you know. <laughs> Todd and Mildred from, from Irvine. Wow. Wow's right. I don't blame you if you don't come back next Sunday. But I will judge you. Um, yeah, so let's, let's see what the next one is. And so there was a family. Just the three of them for, at one time, right? I, you know, so how, uh, your best guess, how old was Mary when she had Jesus? 14, 16, yeah, around there. How old was Joseph? Yeah, at least 10 years. About 10 years is probably average, older. So right now he'd be arrested. <laughs> but back then it was kind of, yeah, that's kind of about the marrying age. And there was a time that was just the three of them for a while. Traveled. He had a job and tried to figure it out. And Mary was a stay-at-home mom. There's just three of them. And I, I wonder, well, if you look at this child's expression... I'm pretty sure you don't think of Jesus making that expression as being that lost, goofy little boy. I think you, we still picture it somehow. He's just, you know, serene and he's got the fingers thing going and he's, he's wearing the, right? And he's talking to his parents, you know. Well, what I would do, Dad and Father, you know. I don't think we think of him as being clumsy or having to learn how to walk. Let's go to the next slide. And somehow that there was this, like he knew stuff. He must have known stuff all the time. But to be very frank with you, that's not what the scriptures say. They say that there was an actual learning pattern to everything he had to do. What's interesting to me is, is uh, you know, some of you had to work through William Shakespeare, right? You had to read his works. What's funny is to think that he was somebody's student in an English class. <laughs> Bill, quit 
writing, you know, get back to the lesson, young Bill, you know, and, and, and what, did, what did his report card say to his parents, you know, must focus more on his work, you know, as he wasn't, Bill, so Bill Shakespeare had to learn English, and Jesus had to learn, you know, Aramaic, he didn't come out talking, as most kids don't either, what else is true about kids besides runny noses, are they prone to get ear infections, Stomach aches. I wonder, you know, of course it wasn't much of a lawn, but as I've told you before, for most of us, when we see a lawn, we see a lawn. Garden, you know, grass. Most children see a buffet. <laughs> right? Out and in their mouths, right? It's just, oh, what is this? this is, I put this in my mouth, figure it out that way, you know? Good thing we grew out of that, but most two, three-year-olds, that's first thing, goes in their mouth. Uh, let me explore this. This is interesting. Let me examine it further. <laughs> Stomach aches, colds, blisters. So um, now think desert, uh, first century. And let's go one more time. Let's see what's next. Oh, yeah. Someone had to teach him how to use a tool. His dad had to show him how to use a... How many of you, <laughs> how many of you remember the terror of learning how to work with tools from your father? Right? You did right. If and if you're, I, I don't know why dads assume that if you are male, that you know automatically about tools, because I didn't. I didn't have that. Just didn't happen. And then, then they're frustrated because they're tired. Right? They've been they've been working all week. Now they have to go fix something, and they've dragged you into their misery. I go, Miko, give me the thing. The thing, pops. The thing. You know the thing. If your friends were here, you'd know what the thing is, wouldn't you? And I go, no, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't have friends, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> but so, so someone had to show Jesus how to uh, use tools. Hey, by the way, um, I know we talk a lot about the carpenter's son, and he was a carpenter and all that. Um, but if you're in a desert and you don't have forest or trees planted there intentionally, what's the main building material? Stones and rocks, right. You know, the, the, the word for builder, or tecton, I believe it's, I'm pronouncing it correctly, it just means builder. Uh, I, I tried to find the history of where this carpenter thing came from, or because it was a carpenter's son, I guess, you know that. But nonetheless, about two miles from Nazareth was a city named Sephoris, which was a very large metropolitan sort of Greek town and, uh, you know, Beautiful buildings made out of stone, amphitheaters and shops and stuff. And because if Nazareth is one of those, you know, um, know nothing kind of towns, I'm very well. How much work do you have? I want you to build everybody. A, you don't, I mean, they don't even have many chairs, right? Because you ate lying down. They they didn't have chests of drawers like we would have. I mean, how much carpentry goes on in a small town where there's not a whole lot of economic activity? But two miles from Nazareth was this a very metropolitan town. Like, oh, wow. So they walked to work, used tools, and made things. But someone had to show Jesus how to do that. Probably his dad. Let's see, one, one more time. I think that's the last one of this set. Yeah. So now let's go further. Think about the things that you struggle with spiritually. What type of temptations do you folks have if... You know, if you want to say them, you know, by saying it out loud doesn't mean that you're saying this is yours. What's, so I'll start this off with the worst one. Sexual temptation, right? 
online stuff, paper stuff. Now it's everywhere because you can get it on your phones. So there's that pull, right? What other temptations do we have? Gluttony, right? Eating too much. You know the stages, right? Fool, satisfied fool, embarrassed, uncomfortable, painful. You hate yourself. <laughs> Most of you Thanksgiving ate till you hated yourselves. And then someone said, you guys want pie? <laughs> and, you got, and you got up and you said yes. Uh-huh. Then you get, yeah, of course I do. Right. This is how we celebrate God's grace. <laughs> By an incredible display of gluttony. Uh, how many of you are tempted to, those of you who have been physically violent, even today, or like, I mean, like, I mean, not this morning, but maybe it happened, that when someone says something to you, you, you know, you're, 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 able, you're able to at least grow and you manage your anger to the point where you don't act out, but you want to act out. How many of you have escalated this past m- uh, month, in the month of November, at a driver? You're number one, but it was, you know, it was a different finger. <laughs> or anything else? What other temptations do we have? Drunkenness, yeah, drinking a little bit too much. Sometimes that happens. But do you remember when you used to think, I'm going to get faced tonight? Some of you are like, no, Pastor, I have no idea. (laughs) Please. I'm going to get tore up. And then in the morning, you're just, you're headachy and there's stains and you're wearing somebody else's clothes, you know where you are. And who are they? You know, what's that horse doing here? You know, and then there's just. You're looking at the sides of the roads. They're all in Arabic. How did I land here? You, know, you don't know what's going on. Ugh. And then the phone rings. You go, oh, dude, I had the best time last night. And you do it again. Yeah, you know, getting drunk. And then sometimes it just happens, you know, you're just doing it too much. Someone tells you, don't have that third one. Don't have that 18th one. And you still do it. Drunkenness, what else? Lazy? That's, oh, yeah, not, not doing anything. Any other temptations come to mind? Which is, which is a way to affirm yourself as a person. Um, but gossip and lying, yeah, just saying stuff, passing along misinformation. How many of you um, were thirsty this past week? Like, you just like, I just need water. You, you stopped at A&P, and you man, I just want some water. I want some Gatorade. Which is the best thing about A&P, they have the crushed ice and the cubed. And everybody who loves God in America goes to get Crushed ice, exactly. <laughs> and, oh my gosh, I saw this thing there. I think it was, I think it was 200 and something ounces. It was like a, a barrel. I, 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 I think needs a, I need straps as a backpack. You know? I'm sorry, could I have a large one? Uh, you know, this is, it was just, uh, it, why, what's next? What's next? What could they possibly sell at A&P now? To continue drinking <laughs> because you're that parched. Hungry? Uh, we experience hunger. How about uh, sadness? Maybe a movie. Maybe you see something awful in the news. Uh, you got some bad news. Um, I've said before that there's never an age that you can get to where you cannot be touched or experience incredible loneliness in the midst of people. Right? So that, that happens. All that is true about our human experiences. Okay, now, of all the things that we just talked about right now, which one do you honestly believe is not true of Jesus? 
it's an out, does, does the list feel different? And I think what's happened to us, well-meaning and intentioned, is to protect the sacredness and the divinity of that identity of Jesus is that we have accidentally diminished his humanity. Because there's some of us that just think, no, there's no way he could have, there's no way, he couldn't have been drawn to sexual temptation. No, there's, that's impossible. Well, I've got to tell you, guys, if he wasn't at some level, I'm, I'm jacked, aren't, aren't you? Because he can't deliver me then from that. If it wasn't a temptation to, to lash out in anger, I'm, I'm in trouble. He can't redeem me from something he hasn't experienced. He can't represent me with, to God. How about those moments when you're angry because you're sick, or you have a headache, or you're just tired, you don't want to work anymore, or you're fed up because people don't appreciate who you are, or you just, you know, you just want to give up, you're tired. All of us have had those moments when the... Um, the limits of our humanity bring out the worst in us. So which one of those are not true of Jesus? This, this week I had a conversation with a professor and he just kind of you know, reignited my thoughts about this but then taking it a step further, which ones are not true? Because I think we want to be vague enough to say, oh, he, he experienced grief and he did, Right? One of his closest friends dies in the city of Bethany. And if you read the biographies of Jesus, it was a town that he often visited. He knew these people pretty well. And so when Lazarus dies, and he knows what he's going to do, he experiences a very human emotion of grief when he's going to Jerusalem to, to uh, that last week or so. One of the um, things the scripture says is that he just cried out loud. Just, gosh, all oh, these folks are not getting it. And I'm trying to tell them I love them and they're just not getting this. Um, we know he experienced anger, right? Um, and I often wondered, okay, now, don't judge. If, if you have these in your home, it's, I'm not making a statement about you, but I, I'm just trying to think as if I, if I didn't know anything about Jesus or just didn't have this, if I just saw it for the first time and I saw all these paintings and iconic images of Jesus, now be honest, doesn't look like a bearded woman with some kind of glowy gown. Right? So you know what I say? That's the laughter familiarity. And there's the one image where he's knocking on the door, like very timid, right? You need the scripture, you know, behold I knock, you know. And there's no doorknob, it's only in the inside and all that. But if you look at the image, it's like, how can that person have been a threat to a world empire you know, it looks like somebody you could have insulted and brought them to tears with two cracks. What was really interesting to discover was, uh, okay, I mean, in, in my head I had a picture of Jesus, uh, dark, being out in the sun, at least fit from working with his body, five six, five seven tops. And then I thought about some of my family in Mexico and the water and this not and you know, the different stains in the teeth and maybe not the best dental care. <laughs> in the conversation we had this week, I realized the average height for a male Jew, first century, well, you know what it is? 5'2". Are you ready for a 5'2 Jesus? <laughs> you, 
Right. And then someone else brought up that when George Washington was inaugurated president, he had only one toothpaste in his mouth. I go, wow, I didn't know he was from the South. <laughs> I had to. If you can take a shot, take it. So then I thought, wait a minute, I'm assuming he had a full set of teeth. But they were just stained or not brushed well. There's teeth missing. How many are ready for that? Uh, maybe a, a missing tooth 5-2 Jesus. No wonder. So someone's, someone's picturing this. So when I see the images of blue eyes and this amazing fit nose and clear skin and not a black... See, even the scriptures say that when they saw him at the resurrection, he didn't even... He looked like him, but he didn't look like him. Like he still had the scars. He, we know he had the scars on his wrist. We know he had the ones on his side. Just to its logical conclusion, would he have had the scars from his face? Very human. Very unimpressive. So ordinary that after almost two and a half, three years, when they're going to arrest them, they do need Judas to point him out. Which one is he? He's the 5'2 Jew. Well, that's all of you. So, which... <laughs> oh, the one that looks like he's kind of fit because he works a lot with his hands. Mm, narrow it down. The Galilean. I'm listening. You know what I mean? So, it, there's what? Nothing stood out. Isaiah says there was nothing really that attractive or elegant about him. Quite ordinary. People, when he began to speak in his hometown, they were actually put off. Like, who's this guy? Isn't this Joseph and Mary's son? Aren't his brothers and sisters here? Where is he coming off talking like this? Let me read another verse to you. Out of Hebrews. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we, pro we profess. Why? For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, but, or yet, was without sin. So let us approach then the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Um, can we go to that next slide? I think there's a fella. Yeah. I, I wonder, you know, just thinking about people, traditionally, how old was Jesus when, before, when he died? 33, right. And how many years did he spend in, quote, his public life? Three, right. That's, yeah, traditionally breaks out. So what did he do for those 33 years? Okay, think about this. What was the majority of his time spent? What was he doing? For, for, for close to 30 years. Working. Ran a small business. Somewhere along the line, we know his, his father passed away. Between 12 and 30, he's gone. Joseph is gone. I mean, there's, there's no way of knowing exactly what happened, but he's gone. Takes over the family responsibilities. How often do you think he went to church? <laughs> What's, uh, is there another one? One more? Yeah, well, I mean, what kind of religious life do you think Jesus had? You know what's strange to me? Uh, but I, 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 I mean, I'm tempted to do this. I get this to, to, to some extent. 
Whenever some of us struggle with an area of our life that we're embarrassed about, like, I can't believe I'm doing this again, it could be whatever it could be, right? Let's think of any of those temptations we just discussed earlier. We will tend to withdraw emotionally from our friends who are in a spiritual community, or you withdraw physically or relationally. I mean, I, just, I have friends I can think of that you can tell by their language and how they, they give you half answers or they let you answer the question for them. Hey, are you doing all right? You're doing okay, right? And, yeah, yeah. So if you answer the question, they'll let you answer it for them. You know what I mean? Because for them, their notion is that my religious life happens or I have to do it alone. I'm going to tell you, that's an absolute lie. It's insanity to think that. There is never anything that happens mentally, emotionally, spiritually that's going to progress you forward alone. But it takes a lot of, of um, I don't know where, it, it is risky to come out and tell somebody, I'm struggling in this area. But I often wonder what kind of life Jesus had. I can read you a few verses. Uh, Luke 4.16. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. So, and some of you might be thinking, well of course he's Jesus. Of course he goes to church. Did he have to? I mean, was there something he was going to learn there? I didn't know that in the scriptures. I mean, you know, was there something that was going to happen out of there? John 2.13 for when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. John 5, 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. And so he, you know, there was at, at, at minimum, you went, if you were a, a, a self-respecting, God-honoring male Jew, you went to, to Jerusalem at least once a year for the big Passover feast, and then there was other events that occurred. But then you had a local synagogue, and, and the synagogue required at least um, 10 men, right? Um, to meet and on a regular basis that was his he, he went to church now if he besides going to church think about this again no, no internet no TV you know you work sun up to sundown probably you have meals what do you, what do, you do in the evening read maybe okay there's not, not many books that's a luxury so what would you do you have family doc right hang out with the people you remember that expression when Jesus tells his disciples, in my Father's house are many mansions, and da da da, da. You know, If it wasn't that way, I would have told you so. Um, the best way I understood it is when I remember, recall going to uh, Mexico where, where uh, my grandmother lived. It was the little plaza of a... So you think of a square box. Think of a... Okay, here, this. Think of this. There's an entrance. And there's little apartments or houses around... And there's, at, the, at least where my grandmother Ophelia was, there was one well, <laughs> there was one, one or two outhouses. That, that, was, that scarred me for life, that, that experience. Um, but you know what? This is kind of like what it was back then. If, if, so as a young couple, let's say Chris got married to a young woman, and you know, he and his new wife didn't go find an apartment. You know, where they, you know where they went? They went to Chris's father's house. And they would just build on to the family compound. They would make a room. In fact, um, Chris's dad and Chris would go talk to the girl's family and say, I want to buy this bride. And by the way, the bride had an option to say no. 
and then they would discuss the bride price. Right? And there would be an exchange and um, wine and, and some language and then she would accept and then, they, and then he would say something along the line, I'm, I'm, I'm going to my father's house to build you a place so that you can be with me. Because it was interesting that last night, that last Passover with these men, he was mixing some of the language of a marriage proposal. <laughs> this 5'2", dark-skinned, probably missing a tooth or two, Jesus. And so he goes to, you know, and then he would, Chris would build a house and build a room and go get his bride and there'd be a week-long party like the one Jesus was invited to. Because, you know why? Because Jesus had friends. And people knew him in the town. And he was one of the builders and so he probably had clients. You know the, one of the worst things about being an outdoor salesman is if you live in your territory because you run into your clients. Just like people who I know who have been in law enforcement, they almost refuse to live in the same city that they work in. Why? You don't want to run into your clients. Jesus lived in the city where he worked. People knew him. If there was something shoddy, I wonder if someone disputed their bill, how Jesus would have handled it. I'm not paying this. Yes, you are paying this. I am paying this. <laughs> See, but don't you sort of want to think that he had like this ability, this backup plan? Like he could lean on his godness? Because aren't you, some of you are asking this question, well, could he have sinned? No. No. No, not at all. Well, then how are, are any of those temptations really real? Is there anything worse than an itch you can't scratch? And what did he rely on to, quote, overcome those temptations? Think of the, the classic in the desert moment with Satan. What did he use? The scripture. Right. By the way, for the bonus round, which book did he quote from? Deuteronomy. You have a copy of the book. I have one. I was once asked by a pastor... You know, he was asking about a specific community. He says, how many people do you think are literate, biblically literate in that community? I said, 20%, if that. He says, oh, I think that's generous. I said, well, maybe. I said, but the more important question to ask is how many people make decisions from this, based from the scripture? What, you know, have, you, you know, when you're thinking about what to do, what to say, how many of you think, you think pro and con? Or loss and gain? Versus, wow, you know what? Uh, Oh, and yeah, I think the scripture has something to say about this. I think it says this. I think it says that. And when I think about Jesus' religious life, I, I think that there's, there's two ways to observe the religious things that we do, uh, our disciplines. Let's say prayer. By the way, this is not a sermon or a talk about praying more. That's easy for any pastor to do. Because if you care, you're going to feel guilty. Yes, I should pray more. That is not what this is about. Okay, But I'm talking about hanging out with people who are like-minded and, and I'm not telling you not to have friends who don't believe what you do but there, it's, it's important to be part of a community especially during the week where people know you where if you don't show up they miss you where you could actually argue with the scriptures about with them do you, are you trying to tell me that God wants me to you know yes 
I mean, well, okay, let's hash it out. I get it. You know, it's kind of shocking at first. And by the way, let's be grown up about this. If there's really a supreme being who's morally perfect, is it possible that we're going to be a little bit shocked and put off at some of the things he says to us? Of course. If you're not surprised or stunned, then maybe you're not thinking through the implications of the scriptures often enough. All right, so... So you, you're part of a small group where people would miss you if you didn't show up. They know by your facial expression something's off. You can discuss and argue the scriptures and wrestle it down because sometimes it's just, I don't know, I don't get this. All right, I'll, I'll try to do it in obedience, but I don't know. You can pray with. You can tell them honestly, dude, I'm just, and let me just vomit this up on you right now because I'm, I'm, I need someone to just accept where I'm at. Right? See, I, I, the more I thought about this this past week after this conversation with this professor, I realized, oh my gosh, Jesus was in a small group. Awesome. Right? <laughs> you know, but he, he was that guy. Had a job. Had to get up in the morning. Do you think he woke up? Always, you know, always, was he tired? Oh man, I need to... Ow! Gosh, that saw. Because there's no power tools, right? Everything's by hand. Did his back ever hurt? Did he have a cold? Did he get a stomach ache? Unless he's actually human and understands everything I've gone through, the answer is yes. And so um, back to spiritual disciplines. They, they act like two different ways. They act like, almost like two different people. On the one hand, our disciplines can be like trainers. Any of you have ever played sports or wanted to learn how to do something? You know, a, a trainer... Well, what is a tra- I'll ask you guys. What does a trainer do? What's, what's a trainer supposed to do for you? Train. <laughs> is there a coach? But what else? What? Motivate? Push you. Bring out the best performance out of you in a certain thing, right? Help you. Uh, oh, you want to get faster. Let me show you how to get faster. You know, uh, you know do this step. Or, and, uh, where's Christy? You. Yes, you sent that email about running. When you're running, try to keep your arms this way instead of going across. It's, the momentum is helpful. Oh, that makes sense. You know, you're, uh, so a trainer is trying to help optimize everything about what you're trying to do to become better at it. All right? Sometimes the spiritual disciplines become that for us. But sometimes they become doctors where they have to heal. See, if I've injured myself somewhere along the line, I don't need a trainer anymore. What do I need? A doctor to heal, to put it straight, to put it back in the right place, to help it function like it's supposed to. And that's why, at times, the spiritual disciplines feel really good. Oh, man, like, this is really great. I'm clipping along. And sometimes, like, oh, man, this hurts. And sometimes it's like, oh, wow, this is great. It, man, I, by doing this, I feel really alive now. This is great. And then somehow you think you're always going to have that moment when you're in training. Because those of you who have done any kind of running or weightlifting, trying to lose weight, you know sometimes it just blows. Wait a minute, I'm sorry. Almost all the time it blows. <laughs> it's, it's never, you never enjoy this. Who would, Oh, the runner's high. Liar. There's no such thing. Unless you're smoking weed, there's such a thing as your runner's high. How do you keep that lit when you're running? Um. Oh, was this on when I said that? Gosh, that's awkward. Does that help re- kind of rephrase, re- reframe the, the things that we do, why sometimes they feel like they, they really are helpful. And other times like, oh, I'm just kind of doing this and nothing's happening. Because that's how training is sometimes. You'll do it for a week and so thing, you know, you have a breakthrough. Like, oh man, this is working. And other times you find that you need prayer not 
because God needs you to talk to him. Um, he's got six billion people that are talking to him. Some are angry. But because you need to hear from him. Right? I don't believe anymore, man. I just, I'm just doubting. And so, therefore, because I'm doubting, I'm not going to read the scriptures. I get that. But even the scriptures say faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing what? The word. So when I'm having doubts and I'm not sure, like, man, you know, I need to... I need to hear Jesus tell me this. I need to hear one of his messengers, like Paul. I need to hear this. How about when it feels like there's silence? Well, I don't want to talk because I'm not hearing anything from God. What if you just told him, hey, bro, I'm not hearing anything from you. And I know you're there, but it just seems like there's nothing. I don't understand why there's nothing. Because it's really painful, or and I'm really struggling, or I'm really going through this mess right now. So he was tempted like us. He went to work. He was part of community. And all of a sudden, it seems to me that the, living a life like Jesus lived wasn't really that mystical. Now, I'm not telling you that it's not mystical or amazing. I'm just saying that somehow I set the wrong standard. If I'm not, you know, cleansing lepers and, you know, raising the dead, somehow like, well, I'm not really living the Jesus life. Well, hey, hold on a second. Are you taking care of your family? Are you resolving relational stuff? Are you, are you trying to be obedient as far as you understand it? Are you just doing the things that you're supposed to be doing? So did Jesus. For, the, for the, the overwhelming majority of his life, he just lived life with friends and family. He got invited to dinners, which means he was, he was social. Kids went to him, which tells me he wasn't grouchy. No, kids don't run up to a grouch. Right? You don't see any children around me, do you? <laughs> he just lived life. Prayed for people. Ate with people. <laughs> I wonder what it was like sometimes leaving synagogue and they would, uh, hey, just about, yeah. The rabbi this morning said this. I don't, what, what did you get out of that? You know, I mean, how does that conversation go down? People talked to him. No wonder it was hard for people to accept that this was the Messiah. Why? Because he was so amazing and spectacular. His feet never touched the ground. He never sweat. He never had to go to the bathroom. He never took a bath. He never had bad nails from working with his hands. Why? Why was it so hard for people to believe that he was the Son of God come in power to redeem an, uh, an entire world? Because he was ordinary. And maybe sometimes the most supernatural thing we do is imitate the life of Jesus. But maybe the most human thing you do is to imitate the life of Jesus. And we've lost scope of that. And when I go back and think of the, of the ways that people as followers uh, feel a little put off by this season that we take Christ out of Christmas, I get it. I do. And we talked about gifts last week and what the meaning is. Right? But maybe one way we take Christ out of Christmas here is that we take away his humanity and make him something else. And he's completely human. One last thought, and then I'm going to close. You know, I, I know some of us struggle with stuff. I get that. I, I truly do. Um, maybe it's your temper. Let's just say temper with it for right now. Have you ever thought of just thanking God that you have emotions? 
maybe some of you struggle with some sexual weirdness, something, right? And so the first thing you're trying to do is like keep that in control. Okay, how about stop and say, well, God, thank you for making me a sexual being. And then starting from there. I have a problem with food, I have a problem with anger, I have a problem with arrogance. Well, thank you for giving me a, 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 good, a strong, solid mind. Well, you know, I, you struggle with whatever. How about thanking God first for the thing and then having it work through that way? All right. So, Jesus was completely human. Worked, lived an ordinary life, had an amazing, you know, of course, last three years, which was part of his mission. But a lot of what, it was, what he was excelled in was just being human being. And a lot of being human being was just doing the ordinary things that are right in front of us. With people, with relations, with our process and our spiritual disciplines. They all serve a purpose. But if you think, man, I, you know, I, I'm not having this, this spectacular public breakthroughs, um, that's okay. Not many people do. The vast majority of us as believers just live our lives in private. The public evidence is going to pop out sooner or later, but the vast, the overwhelming majority of our lives following Jesus is done privately with ordinary stuff. Going to work, taking care of your family, going to church, being part of groups where people know you and you're known by them. All right, let me pray and we'll close. Father, I want to thank you for the, the time we had just to maybe talk this through a little bit further. And I'm praying that, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to emphasize one portion of your son's life over the other, but I don't want us to diminish it either, or it's, we lose sight of it. And so I pray that as, as some of us are processing maybe this new way of looking at Jesus as being completely and fully human, that we'll recognize that he brings uh, our, he gives dignity to our humanity. That when we're working, washing dishes, or driving that truck, or unloading this or that, that this is something that the Son of God would have done. Help us to remember how important it is to maintain that life that you've given us by, um, when we have conversations with you that we call prayer, when we're reading literature that focuses our attention back on you, when we're hanging out with people who have the same goal of, of trying to be more like your son, and help us to remember that it's, it's really not, it's not as complicated as maybe perhaps we've made it to be. And a lot of it is done just in the ordinary things of life. So thank you for being good to us. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for saving us. And I pray uh, this and for my friends is that we have a renewed healthier view of your son Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.